0: Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod podcast episode 310 for November 16th, 2020. Today's guest is publisher, chef, vegan cafe owner, cookbook author, and probably a bunch of things I have yet to discover, Eric Obanoff. We'll be discussing his latest book, $2 Radio Guide to Vegan Cooking, as well as his process and how he uses his vast interests to create community in Columbus, Ohio. I This is another one of those episodes that I've been having... A lot of lately that I'm like, oh boy, get ready. This is a really good one. I want to travel to Columbus immediately uh, to check out his cafe and like this whole kind of vibe that even in pandemic land where we currently reside it sounds like there's some cool stuff going on anyway i'm your host michael heron i'm a composer pianist electronic musician storyteller and activist based in new york city on this podcast i have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world i've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years if you like what you hear Subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at MichaelHeron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at MichaelHeron or you can email me MikeyPod at gmail.com. This interview has me feeling some DIY feelings that are really great and strong and fantastic and also perfect timing to tell you I had a problem with Ableton Live, which is the digital audio workstation I use to record interviews and edit and put this podcast together. Um, during this interview, it just crashed. I've been having this issue lately, but I think it's fixed now. Um, I I love Ableton Live. Don't get me wrong, but it was acting real sketchy for the last couple of weeks. And this is one of those symptoms of it. No problem. I had a backup recording going, but it's not as the, it's not the kind of quality that I usually like to have. But there's a whole part of this conversation with Eric where we talk about just making stuff and doing the thing, like, just make it, like, do the best you can with it. So maybe it was some sort of universal um, synchronicity that made this happen so we could have a especially DIY feel. So not only does that have me feeling kind of, like, hyped and excited about just this thing, this pot, like sometimes I feel really like, oh, this is a very fun, cool thing that I do. I love doing this podcast and this episode is especially the reason why. Um, I love talking to Eric. He's someone I would not have probably discovered without having the podcast, without having a reason to like talk to him. And now I'm super in love with everything that he and his wife, Eliza Jane, are doing with $2 Radio. you'll hear it. There's publishing. Uh, Come on. Like, it's really super cool. And it reminds him like, oh, I'm doing something pretty cool, too. And um, so I wrote to him about finding some music for the show. And he connected me with Bella at a record label called Anyway Records that is right there in Columbus as well. And so we've got really cool music to listen to today, too. And it's just really fun. Like, this is like... This is like the thing that I love to do with podcasts, like talk about another artist, have other musicians I hadn't heard of before who I'm like immediately in love with. You'll hear all about that later. I don't want to go on to the show, show, rest of the show, interview music uh, without first giving a quick thank you to my subscribers on Patreon who power this podcast. These are folks who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines, uh, bonus podcasts. There are over 50 I think it's 55 now. I think I've said that for a couple weeks in a row. I'm pretty sure it really is 55 now. Of them that you'll have immediate access to when you subscribe. And this Wednesday, I'll be posting an exclusive deeper conversation with this week's guest, Eric Obanoff. There's also going to be recipes from the cookbook and uh, talking about our favorite like breakfasts. And it was a really cool so I love it I'm like breakfast is cool you're not going to want to miss this so as I mentioned I discovered some mu- new music and um, thanks to Eric and Bella at Anyway Records um, the, who, who are giving me permission to play this music which is also fantastic um, the first band I wanted to play for you before we get into the interview is called Hello Emerson this track is called Kyle Curly, and um, after this we'll have the interview <laughs>
1: But the book you bought for me last summer didn't stay the course. The introduction's fine, and hands was worth my time, but after that, the other pages broke free from
2: the spine. And when?
1: as a sign That I didn't think you would mind It's the first book I want If you breathe and take your time And after that you'll find a clinic you can work inside And when you think of Ohio Make a fist with your hand
0: I'll take it as a sign is Eric Obanoff, who is one of the co-owners of $2 Radio, which is a ton of different things I'm discovering, and a new cookbook, um, The $2 Radio Guide to Vegan Cooking. Welcome to the podcast, Eric.
1: Thanks so much, Michael. I'm excited to be here and chatting with you.
0: Yeah. um, It's so, so... this is one of those moments. I'm like, wait, what do we talk about first? And I think (laughs) maybe because I, I, I discovered you through the cookbook, but then through that, I discovered like publishing company, cafe, um, performance space. And then just seconds ago, I was like, Oh, they make little films too. You guys are. (laughs) So maybe can you, is there a, like a quick elevator pitch about what $2 radio is?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think that you know it can definitely come across like a cat with yarn, you know, just like being like we're getting pulled in a lot of different directions, and we are. But you know, we we go in the directions that our creative passions lead us, and so you know, way back when I went to school for uh, screenwriting, playwriting, and I got more into fiction writing, and then when we, as an avid reader. Um, that led us at a very young age, when we were only like 23 or 24, with my um, my my now wife Eliza. The two of us started our publishing company, Two Dollar Radio. And so we're a small press. We do about six or seven books a year, but they tend to be pretty well received. You know, they've been notable books of the year at the New York Times and best of the year at Oprah Magazine, Washington Post, and and whatnot. Um, But I always had that that inclination towards sort of like marrying the different um, these different uh, uh, creative projects, you know, with in terms of marrying storytelling with sound and visual elements in terms of making movies. And so I think uh, that original interest in screenwriting and filmmaking led us around back to pursuing that. Um, and in the more recent past we've been working with uh, producers and stuff on a little larger scale projects than what we have historically and then our storefront cafe we've been open we just celebrated our third anniversary uh, but a big reason for wanting to have this space the the vegan cafe and bookstore uh, was just to like throw up a flag in our community and uh, be a part of the community conversations that were happening um, about around like social issues and and also like food and lifestyle and we hope we host like a monthly poetry slam or we had <laughs> we used
0: yeah in the a old days
1: <laughs> poetry, way back when yeah uh, you know so we just hosted a ton of events but a big part of it was just that interest in being active and engaged members of our community
0: Uh That like, I'm a similar person and not as connected with all of my little pieces as you guys seem to be. So it's really cool to talk, to hear you talk about, you know, for me, and I, and I think this leading to a question, like having a lot of different interests, like I'm a composer and a storyteller and I make performance art, all this different kind of stuff. And this podcast, um, there are a lot of times I'm like, ah, like I really love cooking. And every now and then I'm like, oh, I love to have a breakfast cafe because I love cooking breakfast but there's this little voice in my head that's like nope that's not what you do you do this other thing like have you experienced that and what's it what's it like like deciding to go ahead and combine those different pieces of yourself I mean, I think that we're, we've always,
1: Eliza and I both are just doers, you know, as opposed to actually talking about things, but there have been any number of projects that just haven't come to fruition just because of the reality or nature or not having money. Um, I think for us in terms of starting the publishing company, um, you know, we did it when we were young enough and just like, quite simply didn't know any better
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and we're passionate enough to continue doing it. But when we were starting out, I got in touch with this guy who'd been publishing books. You know, he famously in the mid 1960s, he uh, gave Charles Bukowski a hundred dollar uh, monthly stipend so that Bukowski could fit uh, quit his post office job and work on his writing full time. And, um, and so that was in 1966, I believe. But when I got in touch with this, this, this publisher, his name is John Martin, um, in 2007, when we were just starting out and he, you know, said, you know, good luck, but I think you'd probably need more like $300,000 to start a press, uh, in this day and age and climate. Wow. And so, um, but, you know, with us being young and hardheaded and idealistic, We just slogged forward. (laughs) So I I think that that is a big part of it is just, you know, because once you start making those initial leaps towards seeing a project come to fruition, um, then you're in it for the long haul.
0: Yeah. And I, I love those stories of, you know, doing it anyway, which is exciting. I think that's what's exciting about seeing uh, the body of things you, you guys have created.
1: I was going to say too, you know, I think that we're fortunate to uh, live in Columbus, Ohio, where, um, you know, we did live for a number of years in Brooklyn too, and our daughter was born when we were living there. But, you know, we're fortunate to live in a place where we can take some of these, like, financial risks, I guess, in terms of, like, renting out a physical storefront to do this, mm-hmm. um, where it, it, it the overhead wasn't quite as much and the startup costs weren't quite as much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds like Columbus, the community surrounding you is uh, ready for something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that it's been uh, tremendously uplifting and rewarding to, I think a lot of people thought that we were kind of crazy to open up uh, a bookstore and vegan cafe. And there was some pushback from people who were like, can't you just have like one meat sandwich or like carry some, you know, cheeses or something like that? And, you know, for us, that just seemed incredibly disingenuous because it cut against our lifestyle decisions that we made for ourselves uh, you know, very purposeful lifestyle decisions too. And so, um, yeah, so I think people thought we were a little crazy to do it, but you know, so then it makes it just that much more rewarding when people respond the way that they have.
0: Uh, so we should talk about the cookbook. I haven't made anything from it yet. I just got it a week ago. The It's my kind of vegan recipe. Like it reminds me a lot of, I, I it takes me back to a time when I was first discovering vegan recipes and things were like you're making things. There weren't as many like meat analogs and things on the on the market. Was that kind of? That must be your style. Um, were you also aiming for that type of thing in the book? Yeah, I think that you know
1: uh, that's a tough one to kind of respond to. But I th- I think that what we wanted to do was make things simple and approachable, and because. I you know a a lot of times if you would buy like a vegan product in the store and you look at the ingredients list and there's just like a million things that you can't pronounce Mm -hmm. and in our cafe also you know in terms of experimenting with recipes you know we wanted to try to use as much as possible like some local ingredients and and uh, things that we could find that that we didn't have to order through the mail and whatnot but one of the cookbooks that I really loved when I was just starting to cook vegan food was the vegan stoner cookbook. Oh yeah. And and I think they're actually publishing this fall, maybe a second vegan stoner cookbook, but, um, uh, it was just really fun and approachable recipes. And I think that in many ways was our sort of like pole star in terms of assembling the book and choosing what recipes we wanted to include. Um, and then another big part of it, like we were talking about marrying different creative pursuits, um, we I, I personally was really interested in this idea of including stories in the book too, and um, the idea behind that being like if you kind of parodying the uh, whole blog uh, recipe story, where you know how if you if you search for a recipe online. You know, before you ever actually get to the recipe, there's just this uh, long family history yes. full of digressions and whatnot. Oh my God. And so I wanted to create something that had those elements, but made it more epic. So you're actually um, in the course of the story, like somebody in a mountain, or I don't know some kind of crazy things happening, solving a crime. Uh, So it was a lot of fun to put together. And we were, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, it was fortuitous that the pandemic was on and that our cafe wasn't open, our previously normal hours. And so we were able to focus on taking the pictures for the book and, and creating some of the more playful elements to like the illustrations and whatnot. So it was a lot of fun to put together. I think that's really the common theme with all these various projects that, <laughs> that we're doing.
0: Yeah. And I love the way they feel. Um, it feels like you guys just made this book. <laughs> I don't, that, that seems like we a weird thing to did, say. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like you, you, you took the pictures yourselves and you did the, uh, I almost said orchestrations, illustrations and all that (laughs) stuff together. It's that it's, uh, it's I just love this kind of thing. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Your book. Well, you know, we, I I think that that DIY approach is something that we've always done throughout our career uh, too. And a big part of it, it was just like, we didn't have money to hire like a book designer or a photographer or something like that. And so like we were forced to learn all these different things throughout the throughout our careers, whether that be, like, film editing or or sound editing for the movies or um, building tables using, like, repurposed wood in our cafe or uh, doing the design and layout for the book. And, you know, I did the illustrations. They're not the most amazing thing, but they're, like, they're passable and fun and, I think, kind of, like, jive well with the spirit of the book so
0: yeah I, t- it's just from my perspective they're they're more than just passable just so you know <laughs> <laughs> well, i appreciate it no they look great and it's like it gives the book its own like uh, i really hate using these words but they're so important it's got its own brand you know and it's like yeah. it, it feels um it feels consistent throughout the book so i love it but i'm also like a diy like i want to do a thing and i don't have money so here it is <laughs> kind of thing, which I think is yeah. what I love about what you've done here, too. Well, thank you. I, I feel like it's really important for people to see work like this because, you know, you could have heard that publisher telling you, what did he say, $300,000 you would need to start a press? Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you could have been like, oh, well, I guess I don't get to do that in my life. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah. everything doesn't have to be the thing that already exists, right? Like, by not having the money to do a hugely produced designed by a huge team of people you created something that was unusual and new so for people that are listening make your thing like (laughs) don't let money stop you because it it, I don't know it helps make it unique I I feel like I'm kind of cheesing that up a little bit but (laughs) no I uh, I'm,
1: I'm a big believer in exactly what you're describing is that that some type of constraints can uh spur creativity even more um whereas if you just had unlimited options and unlimited budget then um you know it it might just be easier to do like a carbon copy of what already exists but when you have a lot of these constraints in place you know whether chosen or enforced on you then you're you're forced to creatively problem solve your way out
0: of that hole i'm curious uh, since i haven't made any recipes from the book yet is there one that you think i should start with
1: well i love eggplant in general so i think that that the the fishless fillets using eggplant is a lot of fun and then also the um, eggplant po'boy uh and then um my favorite sandwich that we serve on our menu is our pambazo, uh, which is like a Mexico city style wet sandwich where you just dip the whole bun in hot sauce. Um, and and then you grill the bun and then we, for, for our version, you know, so the traditional sandwich would include like chorizo and potatoes in there. And for our version, we make this like walnut chorizo that we put in there. Um, so, I don't know, maybe you should start with that one. The walnut chorizo and uh, the smoky dojo hot sauce.
0: Oh, that sounds so good. Make a
1: tembazo.
0: Uh, okay, done. I'll should. i I'll put it on social media and all that stuff as proof that I did it.
1: <laughs> there you go, yeah, otherwise it doesn't exist. Uh,
0: so, about the, the space, the performance space and the cafe and all that stuff, besides just wanting to like be a part of the community, was there any other inspiration that led you to open the place
1: up? Yeah, I think that we'd been spitballing ideas for maybe a couple years before we actually pulled the trigger on opening the storefront. And we were imagining this bookstore that really only carried independently published books and um, by written by a, a diverse crop of authors as well. And the idea behind that was we didn't want to just carry books that you'd find at any barnes and noble or amazon and the idea was that it would create this element of discovery or the spirit of discovery where it's like when you'd come in to browse books you might not know exactly what you're looking for you're just hoping to be kind of surprised Mm. and um, so that was what we were trying to do with the storefront, and then we always imagined that the the food and the drinks that was kind of the social lubricant to the space. Um, and uh, but the big the, the big impetus was really just in the heels of the the twenty sixteen election. Um, there was so much banter and negativity and focus on. You know, having to stand up and say, like, no, those policies are awful and harmful and detrimental to entire groups of people and racist. And so, for us, what we wanted to do was to focus on, uh, you know, kind of like put our actions where our mouths were and say, uh, not just what are we against in terms of creating this, this space, but also using it as opportunity to say, this is really what we're for. This is the world that we wanna live in. This is the, 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 the positive spirit that we wanna be sharing with folks. And another large element of that was giving um, ownership over the space to people in our community to host monthly poetry slams, monthly comedy nights, magic shows. Uh, local authors, authors who are touring. Um, there was a, a group called um, Black Queer Intersectional Columbus that they had their monthly meetings here when we were closed, uh, obviously pre-COVID, um, right? And stuff like that. So that was a big desire on our part was also to let the community take ownership over the space and. Um, and have that opportunity for them also to throw up a flag and, and be a part of literary culture and also just Uh,
0: culture in our town it's not often because i don't know about columbus ohio very much but i'm not often (laughs) like holy shit i wish i lived in columbus but uh, (laughs) um the place sounds exactly like the place the type of place i would be frequenting um yeah you should come visit one day maybe i can do it in the future when we have uh no more covid and hopefully (laughs) a new president (laughs) yeah but you know speaking of that like at, at the time when that person got in the White House, and, th- and that's when you opened the space, yeah?
1: Yeah, it was after the 2016 election. We opened in the fall of 2017, but that was, we also started this four-day music, literature, and film event with strong sort of like social justice undercurrents to it um, called Flyover. It takes place over three or four days, in and we put it on here in Columbus. And so that was, we started that in the spring of 2017, opened our storefront in the fall of 2017. I mean, like I had said, we, we had been spitballing ideas for the storefront and it was, you know, sort of like the way that Eliza and I were approaching our future. It was like either we're just so anxious about the conditions in this country either we're going to move to Ecuador or we're going to like, or we're going to do something that we imagine envision to be positive in our community. And that's what we decided to
0: do. Yeah. Not probably not knowing that things were going to get as bad as they did. You know, like when when he was elected, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm overreacting, but in fact it's worse than I could have imagined. Um, yeah. but I love that impetus and it's something I think about a lot because I used to live in Texas and I moved to New York at a time when Texas added a amendment to their state constitution, making, uh, same sex marriage illegal. And I uh, took it personally cause it was <laughs> cause I'm gay, yeah. but there's part of me that often is like, what if I had stayed, you know, like, maybe it would have been better to stay in Texas and try to fight or, you know, like the, the, thing that you guys chose to do, which was to stay in the United States and create this beautiful space and create the energy that you want to see happening. Um, it's, it's really cool to do that. It sounds like you don't regret making that choice. Am I safe in guessing that?
1: Yeah, I do not. I do not regret making that choice, but also I should say that I am a straight white dude. And so am speaking from a place of privilege and, um, you know, so I, I wasn't I wasn't dealing personally with, you know, new immigration policies that were being mm-hmm. instated by the administration. Like that was not personally affecting me. And so I I do feel like I have to be very straightforward about that
0: i'm so glad you uh told me about the the momentum behind the space and all the things you're doing uh it's it's kind of tough to ask where people are headed right now because everything is so up in the air especially with regards uh to the pandemic but oh my god can i even add like do you what what would your answer to that question be like what where are you headed with with all of these different facets of your creative world
1: well right now you know on the publishing side of things we look farther into the future. So we're planning what we're publishing 12 months from now to 18 months from now. And so um, that's what I've been working on a lot this week. And it's been a lot of fun. We have some really cool stuff lined up. And we also started a publishing prize uh, called the Sater New Works Award. And it's going to an author who identifies as transgender, non-binary for their first book. Uh, book length published work and uh so i'm reading submissions for that and it's uh tremendously exciting um just because the quality is so high and uh and we're also just you know figuring out what we're publishing next year as well too and there's there's a lot of fun stuff coming up so
0: Uh, I'll be looking forward to it. I'll be adding myself to your mailing list. I love like within the course of maybe it's been a week. I'm like, I'm your number one fan now, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. So uh, speaking of website and all that type of thing, we should we should wind up this part of the the conversation. Um, If you're listening to this and you want to hear more, Eric and I are going to do a little quick um, bonus podcast that'll be on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. I'll tell you about that more about that later in the show. Um, But for now, Eric, will you let me know the best place or let the listeners know the best place to find all of your work and how to get a hold of the cookbook?
1: We have two websites, $2radio.com, all spelled out. And then for our storefront, it's $2radiohq.com, again, all spelled out.
0: And is that the best place for people to order the cookbook?
1: You can, um, I, I, in general, I'm a big supporter and admirer of independent bookstores. So I, I would encourage people to, uh, visit their local independent bookstore of choice. Uh, you know, many of whom are struggling right now and just, uh, order the asked to order the book through them if possible.
0: Oh, great idea. Oh, yay. I love it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Eric, it was great talking to you on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing what's next for you. Thanks so much, Michael. It
1: was a, it was a true joy.
2: I think it's crazy, baby How a little bit of time can change things How a day, a week or two will change things How a second or a year won't change a thing I think that maybe Couldn't handle what I was delivering. You're such a coward that you couldn't take it. Well, it's okay, baby, I had those moments, but this was pretty bad. What a shame. And if a hog tries to chase two rabbits Well I would hope he's pretty goddamn fast Oh he's probably set to have a wounded ego Because you know those furry fuckers are fast How can I be frank with you without being mean? Every lasting utterance of mine is obscene How can I be frank with you without saying you're a poor excuse for a little boy. We could not inhabit the same through square feet, but maybe not because you're such a pansy. On second thought, I take it back. I would feel so much better if I never ever met you. Whoa, whoa.
0: From the album Opposable Thumbs, that was Counterfeit Madison with Frank. Uh, Another album that I discovered thanks to Bella at Anyway Records. Yay, that was really great. I think I have a new new favorite cookbook author, new favorite album. Um, Come on, that song was great, right? I would love for you to support these artists. Um, Of course, Eric, Counterfeit Madison, and hello, Emerson. Uh, As always, as always, as always support these artists like part of the joy for me of making this podcast is introducing you to new people who are making cool stuff uh so yeah i would love for you to go check them out too so do that i'll put notes links in the show notes for uh anyway records for both of these artists for all of eric's stuff and um i think that's it this was a really fun episode. Oh, and also thank you for bearing with the audio differences in this episode. Uh, it's taking me back to the early days when I did this podcast, and I would just sit in a cafe. I don't. Uh, some of you have been listening that long. I'm, I always think about John. John, I know you've been listening since the beginning. When I would just hold the little handheld, like crappy recorder, and sit in a cafe and just start talking to somebody. Uh, so this was sort of fun reflection of that. And I'm really. Uh, Thinking lately about embracing this, just what it is, and not trying to be myself, someone else, make this podcast something that it isn't, but instead, like following the path toward um, wholeness. Oh, that was pretty airy fairy sounding but I think you know what I mean like doing the thing like following the path of the thing instead of trying to put a path on top of the thing I think that's part of what we talked about in the podcast today I'd love to know what you think about that if it makes any sense or anything else about the podcast you can always send me an email or reach out to me on social media or make a comment on the blog at mikeypod.com I'd really 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 love to hear from you and if you're on Patreon look for the bonus episode with some recipes. I'm super excited about sharing that stuff too. And, uh, you'll find that on Wednesday at patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.